here or first time visiting with us, you'll realize that, that we've had an exciting week. We've had a big week this week. We've had a lot of trials, a lot of tribulations, a, a, lot, a lot of victory uh, and a, a lot of joy with that as well. Um, I just, I just want to say uh, welcome to the Dremore girls. Uh, it's wonderful to have you with us. Uh, it's school tours uh, are the most wonderful thing. I, um, I was fortunate enough, I'm actually from Coleraine, so, well, Castle Rock, but Coleraine, and uh, no one else will understand this, I'm just speaking to the Irish people now. Um, and uh, we, I went on tour when I was 16. Uh, we went, uh, my school, Coleraine Inns, we went to uh, New Zealand and Fiji. And one of, the one, one of the things that we did when we were in Fiji is we actually went to a church service also. Now, we'll say this, when we went to the church service, if someone with a Northern Irish accent had stepped up to the, to the podium to speak, I think all of us would have been in shock. I don't think you came to South Africa thinking, listen, we're going to go there and we're going to listen to a Northern Irishman speak. So I apologize. I apologize in advance. I'm sure you were expecting a lot more, a lot more energy from the front this morning. Um, I'm just going to give you the old three-piece sermon that you're probably used to in Dremore. So uh, apologies for that. But it's wonderful to have you guys with us. Um, I, I, I'm also aware that you also have a, had trials this week, a, di a difficult week. We, we certainly, uh, Gareth Bronte, or Mr. Bronte to some of you, is a good friend of mine. Uh, he, he's been on our board for, for George Royal Academy next door for about five years now. And we were with him when he got the phone call. He said, you guys were going through a bit of a struggle the other day. I just want you to know that this church, uh, our prayer group, was notified and we were praying for you guys. It was also a day where your rugby boys were struggling that, that evening. We, had a, we were also back and forth to the A&E with a couple of guys. The church was praying for that. And we're so thankful that you guys are strong and healthy, that, that we've come through that, I guess, un, unscathed, certainly physically anyway, and we just want to say that we, we love you guys and we're so glad that, that everything's turned out well there. Now, now Dave has just has spoken this morning a little bit on what happened uh, with, with us and our organization this week and our school, so what I want to do is I want to just share a bit more on that. Uh, what I'm speaking about today, I actually only realized that I was on this Sunday on Wednesday night. Uh, my wife said to me, listen, when are you preaching next? I said, I don't know, a couple of weeks. And she said, just check that. And I checked it and it was today. So uh, I, was, I was aware that everything from that moment on, everything that we've been going through that week and will continue to go through this week is what's going to be talked about this morning. So please bear with me. Just to give you a greater understanding of what it is that we're talking about, next door is, is, a, is a school. Uh, it's, a, it's a private school for underprivileged children uh, from the different uh, underprivileged areas in the, in the George district. And every morning, uh, because we're in town, every morning we, we send a bus in uh, to pick up the kids and bring them to school. Now, the thing is, that's all. there's 74 kids in the school at this moment in time, so we had just gone through, just from the start of the year, we'd just gone through a time of prayer and a time of trusting, and we raised uh, a lot of money, uh, over a million rand, to purchase a brand new bus so that we'd be able to collect all the children in one go uh, in the morning and bring them in. Now, the school's been running for five years, but we've actually been here for 16 We've been in George for 16 years. We were George Royal Academy now, but previously Sports Academy George. 
and before that OAM Sports Academy and we, we've been working in, in, the, in the township area for a long time and not once, not once have we ever had any problems collecting children. Not once have we ever had any transport issues whatsoever. We have been, we have spoken at different times uh, to the taxi association and the people that are involved in the transport industry, but never have we had any issues. On Tuesday morning, we received a call to say, so not even Monday, it wasn't something that was thought over the weekend. On Tuesday morning, we received a call on a message to say, just been thrown out of Timbaletu, we're not allowed to collect the children anymore. And not only that, if the bus comes in again, we'll burn the bus and you'll have it no more. So if you want to discuss this further, send, send a, a delegation in to, to speak with the association at 8 o'clock this morning. So I, I spoke to Carl. The two of us are like in agreement. Okay, let's go in. We're the delegation. So we headed in and we spoke to the guys and basically the guys are like, listen, you can't do this anymore. The fact of the matter is we're the transport uh, industry here. You can pay us to do it for you and we'll do it. So um, we're like, well, what happens with our bus? Like, well, too bad. You can do whatever you want with the bus. The bus doesn't matter. We're, we're not going to do this thing. So to be honest, Carl was brilliant in that situation. I've told him a few times. I was actually really struggling with some anger issues at the time. And, and, Car and Carl was, was, was brilliant in, in the moment. And, and we were able to get to the point where he said, listen, when you're ready to negotiate, you can come back to us. But until then, no one will be picked up. So again, when all this is going on, and as I say, we're going through the rigmarole of, of, of the negotiations and the talk and trying to work things out, Susie, my wife, was sending messages into the church prayer group, into the, uh, our own work prayer group, into our, to friends at home. She's getting the prayer group together, and people are praying into the situation as it stands. You guys were praying for the situation, even though you were far from it. Now, Dave said this morning about standing up and being like, here and no further. We're struggling with this. We don't like this. We, don't, we want to be proactive. We don't want to take this anymore. And, and I must say that, that I could hear the, the prayers of my wife. That was happening. She was like, I don't only want this fixed, but I want an apology. I want an apology. And I said, I, th I think you're going to be a bit far there. I'd be happy. I'd be happy just to, I'd be happy just to get the kids to school. So we told the kids, we said, listen, guys, Unfortunately, we cannot pick you up, um, and actually, it's a bit of a privilege being picked up, being taken to school. You're, you're going to have to make your own way. Can't do anything here. The, this is your situation. So obviously, the, there's, there's a situation where the kids were like, I'm unhappy with this. I've been, I'm used now to, for five years, getting picked up. I don't like the idea of having to walk. Uh, our, our kids have now got a wee bit lazy, to be honest. Um, they're like, I'm not walking anymore. I'm going to go and sort this out. We had a group of our grade 12 girls go to the taxi association after school, and they complained to them. They, they protested. They said, we want you to know it's not them, it's us. We're, we're protesting. We're unhappy with this. But it turns out one of the boys got, got a lift to school that morning, and he said, my dad's really annoyed about this. My dad's part of this. My dad's part of the the taxi association. So he said, well, what, like, okay, well, what position does your dad hold? And he's like, he's the secretary. I'm like, okay, well, that's, that seems pretty high up. Um, so we, we, we wrote a letter, we wrote a letter, and, and we just said, you know what, like, we can only do what we can do. 
We can only do what we can do. So we wrote a letter and we sent the letter with Yanga to his father and we received the letter back the next day saying apologies about this. This will never happen again. And you may continue. It is, you can give a hand. It's, 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 now, the thing is, the reason it's a big deal is because not only is it about picking uh, children up, there's the safety of the drivers as well, but the one big thing is when you're unable to pick up the children from school and leave them back, that's one thing. But our program works at the weekends. We do youth club. We do one-on-one -on -one discipleship in the evenings. We do mentorship. We would never be able to take the children in and out anymore. It would not be able to be done. The, the, realistically, it's affecting our whole program. Everything is at stake here. You think it's just one thing, but then everything is at stake. So this week, and I'll continue to, do, to make reference to the story as we go along, but everything is at stake for us. So this week, as I was praying and I was asking the Lord, what is it that we want to speak about today? I felt that the book, the book of Daniel, especially the chap chapter 6, Daniel in the lion's den. Who here knows the story of Daniel in the lion's den? We all know the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Everybody knows the story. Why do we love the story of Daniel in the lion's den? We love the story of Daniel in the lion's den because it's a, it's a story of hope. It's a story of hope, isn't it? It's, it's where the good guy wins. It's where the, the, one, the one who loves Jesus and the one who follows him and the one who loves God, he's the one who prevails in the end. He does it. He gets it. He wins. And the guys who came against him, they get eaten. <laughs> they get eaten. They lose, don't they? And we win. So we, we love the story because there's a story of hope. And uh, just the other night with, with my son, Max, we watched Rocky Three. Do we know Rocky Three? <laughs> We all love Rocky III, don't we? And Rocky III, he's been beaten by Clubber Lang, and then he starts to train again, and his wife's like, what's wrong with you? And he said, I'm scared, I'm afraid. And she's like, but the other guys, you beat the other guys, remember, remember what happened before. And he gets the strength and the courage to go forward. See, the stories and the testimonies are the things that keep us going forward. Those are the things that we're, when we struggle, that's the things that keep us going. It's the hope. That's why we love Daniel 6. The other reason we love Daniel 6 is because it's the supernatural, isn't it? It's, not, it's abnormal. It's not, it doesn't normally happen. Normally, Daniel gets thrown in the pit and Daniel gets eaten. That's what normally happens. And the thing is, we as a church, we're praying for more at the minute. We're praying for supernatural. We're praying for a little bit more than just the norm. We're praying for a little bit more than what is obvious. We're praying that God steps in and does something supernatural in our lives and in our church and in our city. If you're new here today, you'll realize that, that realistically what we want, we want to be different. We want to pray for our people. We want to love each other. We want to do something different. We don't want the norm. We want something more. We want something supernatural. And Daniel gives us the supernatural. And the last thing, and the last thing that we love about Daniel 6 is that Daniel has absolutely nothing to do with it. Daniel has got no part to play other than he's in the pit. God does it all. God's in control of every single bit of it. Daniel can't do anything. It's not like he can even wrestle one lion. Nothing he can do. The control is completely God's, and that's what we love about Daniel 6. So it's a lot. It's, it's 28 verses. I'm going to read it here. If you want to follow along, you can get to Daniel 6. 
Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a prince to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the princes and to watch out for the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and princes. Because of this great ability, the king made plans to place Daniel over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and princes began to search for some fault in the way Daniel was handling his affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize. He was faithful and honest and always responsible. So they concluded the only change and the only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the requirements of his religion. Now I just want to stop there for a second. There's there are some other stories in the Bible, maybe like the fiery furnace earlier in Daniel. This is not a story where the king is trying to gain superiority over God. It's got nothing to do with, with that. This is equals, rivals, and their jealousy. This is, this is a human thing. This is man on man. They see something and they don't like it and they want rid of it. It's important as we go along here because sometimes we, we're like, we're blaming this and we're blaming that and we're seeing, we're looking in the wrong place. This is a jealousy issue, isn't it? This is a jealousy thing. So we'll keep going. So the administrators and the princes went to the king and said, long live King Darius. We administrators, prefects, princes, advisors, and other officials have unanimously, unanimously agreed that your majesty should make a law that <clears throat> that will strictly be enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, anyone who prays to anyone, divine or human, except for your majesty, will be thrown to the lions. And let your majesty issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed, a law of the Medes and the Persians which cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home, knelt down as usual in his upstairs room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had done, always giving thanks to God. Daniel is at a stage of life, he's at the so what stage. Do we know the so what stage? This time last year, my father and mother came to visit us in, in South Africa, they stayed with us. So there's three generations of McAfee men in the house. There was me, my son, and my father. Now my daughter, Holly, she's a keen baker, and she baked cookies. Twelve cookies, out she leaves them to cool. Mistake. Opportunity. <laughs> Opportunity. Holly comes back an hour later, three cookies missing. Three cookies missing. Holly, first thing, Max! You've eaten the cookies. Now Max is not at the so what stage of life. Max is at the 3D stage of life. Deny, deny, deny. <laughs> Max, you took those cookies. He's like, I did not. You did. I did not. Max, you took those cookies. He goes, ask dad. <laughs> now, I'm not at the so what stage of life. I'm at the indifferent stage. I'm at the, I'm at the stage where, where I just dismiss out of hand. Dad, did you eat those cookies? I said, I'm not even going to dignify that with an answer. And I walk straight out the room. And then there's my dad. 
He turns around to her, there's a crumb on his face. <laughs> and she says, Granda, did you eat those cookies? And he went, yeah. <laughs> so what? <laughs> That's where Daniel's at. Daniel's at the so what stage of life. He's like, there's a law passed? Yeah. So what? I'm going. And Daniel goes to the window. He's in the so what stage of life. So remember this. The officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went back to the king and reminded him about this law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, anyone who prays to anyone divine or human except to your majesty will be thrown to the lions? Yes, the king replied. That decision stands. It is a law of the Medes and the Persians which cannot be revoked. And then they told the king, the man Daniel, the, one of the captives from Judah, is paying no attention to your law. He still, pays, he still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was very angry with him. Very angry with himself, sorry. For signing the law. And he tried to find a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of the predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty knows that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God, whom you worship continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel from the lions. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment. I'm glad that was recorded. <laughs> and he couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you worship continually able to rescue you from the lions, Daniel answered, Long live the king. My God sent to his angel to shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have, no, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. Then on to verse 28, so Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius. We have a situation where in these stories we often think, well, what does it mean for me? What's God saying to me in this? And the truth be told, I've spoken a couple of times uh, this year and I've listened to even uh, Dave and, and um, Sean and Carl and Antoinette, and very often the thing that's coming through all the time is trust me. God's actually saying, trust me for the stuff. 
trust me. And very often the, the message, it's not that we're not getting it, it's just that the, he's showing us at different scriptures, at different times, there is a way to trust. And there's things that we must always realize. The first thing that we must always realize is that trials will come your way, there will always be problems. You're always going to get it. No one can go through life and not have a problem. No one can get through life and not have a trial. You can't do this thing and get through unscathed. It's going to happen. Now, Daniel is actually 90 years old at this point. He's 90 years old. He's been in captivity for 60 years. Israel was defeated 60 years previous when he was 30. He, he's an old man. He's probably thinking to himself, you know what, how can I help the younger, the younger guys? Maybe the next stage in my life is just giving advice. Surely I've reached the stage where I'm not going to have any more trials. I've had the big things. I did the dream thing. I've done my stuff. I've, I've run my race. It's time now just to kick back. It's retirement. I'm thinking of starting a new game, maybe golf. I'm done. I'm done with the big stuff. It's not for me anymore. But on the same hand, he's literally now about to be promoted to the second most powerful man in the entire Persian Empire. He's about to be put forward. And the reason he's put forward is because the gracious hand of the Lord is upon him. See, here's the thing. When the blessing of the Lord is on your life, people see it. They may not understand it, but they will always see it. It's hard to hide when you're blessed. It's hard to hide when things are going well, when the, the Lord is giving you the wisdom, when he's given you understanding, when he's given you passage, when he's given you opportunities, when God's hand is upon your life, it's there and people can see it. Even if they don't understand it. But the thing is, when the blessing of the Lord is upon your life, it does not give you immunity from the persecution of man. The fact is, people see it and they want it. They don't know how to get it, so they want to take it by force or get rid of you. It's there. They want to take it. There's a part in the story this week where guys said to, the guy said to me, we know you. We know you're from Ireland. We know you've got money. To which as I stood there in a pair of flip-flops and shorts and a baggy t-shirt, I'm like, really? You think I've got money? And he's like, yeah, you've got all these sports teams in this bus. We know you've got money. I'm like, mate, I wish I had money. If I had money, I wouldn't be standing here. But people see the blessing, they see the children going to school, they see the bus, and they don't know, they don't understand, they don't know where it comes from, but they want it and they'll take it by force if they have to. And if they can't get it by force, then they'll remove you. It happens. Daniel understood this. Now, what is our role when this comes? Our role is to take on the posture of Christ. A Christ-like posture. How many of us this week or in any situation when trouble comes our way and someone comes against you and something you dislike comes against you and anger, a stinking anger rises up in us and aggressiveness 
rises up in us and we justify ourselves by saying it's a righteous anger. When the truth is, it's not the posture of Christ. It's not the attitude that the Lord wants. I'm guilty of it. Certainly this week, I'm guilty of it. But then you go the opposite side of that coin. Once you realize I've got a stinking attitude here, then you go the other way. And you're like, you come before the Lord, and you're Lord, I apologize for my attitude. But Lord, why can they just not understand what I'm doing? And God says, I'm asking you the same question. Like, no, 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 Lord. But why can't they see that I'm helping the children and helping the community? And he's like, I'm asking you the same question. It's like, Lord, but why is it always about them? And he's like, I'm asking you the same question. Can't you see what I'm doing? Why is it always about you? Why is it always about you? So I'm like, okay, well, Lord, you seem to know what you're doing. You seem to know what you're doing. So what Daniel does, Daniel, he's in the so what stage, remember? Daniel doesn't have a choice. And this is the thing that I didn't realize about Daniel in the window. The window's significant. The window actually points towards Jerusalem. If we go back and look at 1 Kings 8, Solomon lays out for his people that we pray towards and the Lord will restore. When this nation uh, departs from you, Lord, and you take your hand off our nation, we will pray back towards this place for restoration, for, Lord, for you to build us back up. What Daniel is doing here, Daniel is not ticking a box of religion. He's not, yeah, we've got to pray three times, tick, 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 dim it three times today, and we're on to the next day. Because if it was that, he probably wouldn't sit at the window the next day. See, what Daniel is doing is he's praying for his nation. 60 years on. He's praying for his people. He's praying for his inheritance. He's, it means more than just Daniel. Daniel's doing something that's bigger than him. It's difficult to stand in faith for something when you're running in fear from something else. Not impossible, but difficult. But Daniel's at the so what stage. It's not even a question for Daniel. It doesn't say Daniel took a moment to think it over. It doesn't say Daniel maybe thought to himself, oh, maybe I should just clarify what the rules are before I go. It says Daniel heard the law, he knew it, and he went to the window. How many of us, when we face trials and we face tribulations and things come against us, they were like, it is what it is, and I'm going to go to the window. I'm going to go to the window. When it comes to prayer, when it comes to prayer, the prayer is actually the work. The prayer is the thing that makes the difference. That's what we're talking about today. That's what the situation is with Daniel. We can do all the things, and it's not that we should sit there and not do anything in life, but prayer in this situation is the work. <coughs> and Daniel understands that. Daniel goes, he prays, he doesn't protest. He doesn't protest the sentence. He doesn't say, oh, hold on, this is unfair. Can we get a trial? It changes in the day. These guys come to the king and they come back that evening. They're like, hey, listen, have we got, a, have we, have we got the sentence yet? Are we going to sort them out? It's not like this was a 30-day thing, a, a trial, or he's going to be 
have a chance to come and protest. He doesn't protest and he doesn't say anything. In fact, it doesn't even record that Daniel prayed to the Lord for himself. What it actually says, who, who said the prayer? Do we, do we catch who said the prayer? The king says the prayer. The king is the one who says the prayer. He's the one who prays on Daniel's behalf. May your God, whom you worship continually, rescue you. Daniel, silent. Don't get me wrong, I'm sure he's nervous. But the king realizes his own weakness. He is the king of the entire Persian empire, and he doesn't have the absolute power to change this law. He realizes he doesn't have the absolute power, and he's about to send someone whom he loves into the pit. Someone's about to die. Someone he loves is about to die. Now, that's the thing about death. It's final. And when we get to that place, when we're looking at death in the face, we're thinking to ourselves, we just realize how weak we actually are. We realize how little control we actually have. We realize this has nothing to do with me. I can't do anything here. The king is like, I am powerless in this place. I can do anything in this world but save Daniel. I cannot do it. And he realizes that there's only one. There is only one that can do something. God is the only one. No one can cheat him. No one can outsmart him. No one can defeat him. No one can steal from him. The only one that can make a difference is the Lord. And the king realizes it. It's funny that the king couldn't sleep that night. It says he, uh, he refused his usual entertainment. What does, that, what does that look like in today's day and age? Can you imagine having a coffee with Yappy and Yappy's like, how's your week been? And be like, oh, it's awful, Yappy, it's awful. And he's like, how bad? Oh, so bad. I couldn't even watch that episode of Jack Ryan on Amazon Prime last night. <laughs> he's like, it must be bad. It must be bad. The king couldn't even take his entertainment for the evening. The last point we must remember in all of this here is that there is prosperity at the end of the story. It's not always obvious to us when we're in the middle of the story, but there's prosperity at the end. Not necessarily prosperity for you, but prosperity for the kingdom of God. You see, Daniel's deliverance goes way beyond Daniel's well-being. Daniel survived, and that's great. He's not dead. He's not eaten. He's there. The king's like, Daniel, are you okay? Yes, I'm fi fine. Your majesty, God has found me innocent, and I've done nothing to wrong to you. God has saved him. But it's what it represents to the king. The king now and everyone else is aware <laughs> that there's a supernatural God. They're aware there is a higher power. There is a, they are aware that there's something above the king. It is not the known. It is not the natural. You see, what it actually does is it doesn't benefit Daniel as much as it benefits the entire Persian Empire. King Darius is like converted in that moment. He's realized, you know what? God he is in control. And everyone in this empire will tremble at his feet. 
He is the difference. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Him. Now, to finish, if you're going through something at this moment in time, and if you're in the middle of the story, prosperity is at the end. It comes. It comes. When we face trials in this world, take on the posture of Christ. Bend your knees in prayer and allow God to advance his kingdom for his namesake. Every time you face these trials, there's an opportunity for the kingdom of God to advance in this city, in Northern Ireland, in all parts of the world. It is an opportunity and God wants wants his people to take it. He wants his people to take it. Guys, let's just, let's just bow our heads, close our eyes now, and as we finish. Lord, we want to thank you. We want to thank you, Lord, that you're a God that's above it all. We want to thank you that you're the first. We want to thank you that you're the last, Lord. We want to thank you that you're above it all. But, Lord, today we realize that you, that you're in control. And, Lord, you're speaking to some of us this morning, Lord God, and your hand is upon us, and you're pulling at our heartstrings, Lord God, and we want to surrender. Lord, we understand that this has been a week. This has been a week of trials, Lord, but we still are here this morning. We're still here in your presence, and we're here in your grace, Lord, and your hand is over us, Lord, and you want us to advance, and you want prosperity, Lord, for your kingdom. And, Lord, there's some of us this morning... We're knowing, we're understanding, Lord, that it's, it's for us. It's not just for, for the guy next to us. It's not just for the church. It's not just for the people that, that know you already. But, Lord, it's for each and every one of us. And, Lord, if today, if today is your day, if today is your day, we want to we pray with you. If today is your day to say yes to Jesus, if today is your day for saying, Lord, I want you in control, I want you to guide me, Lord. If today is the day that you realize that it's not for you and you are powerless in this situation, Lord, and it's all for you, Lord, <coughs> would you put up your hand this day? All the heads bowed, all the eyes closed. This is between you and him. If today is your day, then put up your hand. We want to pray with you. Bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If the Lord's speaking to you today, don't deny. Bow the knee before the Lord today. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.